You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Let's give it up for the Morales family and Josh Strouther and the whole worship team. Great job, guys. How are we all feeling today? You guys in the Christmas spirit? Yes, how about everybody at home? I know watching, a lot of people are still watching online. Hope you're in the Christmas spirit. It's great to be worshiping together. We've been focusing on our Complete Joy series. And uh, we've been hitting the Christmas story to blend into the idea of joy. And so today's going to be part two of our series, uh, of our two-part Christmas story called A Star to Follow. And uh, I remember when I was 18 years old. It was my senior year of high school. I'd filled out all my college applications for the UC schools. And then I was filling out my applications for some Ivy League schools. I applied to Cornell and Harvard University. And part of the Ivy League schools is you had to actually have an in-person interview with a, an alumni from the school. So during the interview, the Harvard University graduate that was interviewing me, he asked a question that was really not a complex question. It was one that I think gets asked quite often. It is, who are your role models? Right? Who do you try to imitate? Who are you trying to follow? And I sadly have to admit that it kind of took me off guard because at that time in life, I, I mostly just liked myself a lot in high school. I don't know if any of you can relate to that. Some of the UCLA students are like, yeah, I was the same way. I began to think about who was influencing me. And certainly my dad popped into my mind. My dad was influencing me and my dad's lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and, you know, had a very, you know, solid life. He was very supportive of me and I, and I, I liked my dad a lot. So I thought, well, my dad, he wasn't a man of faith and he, he didn't go to, you know, Harvard or any major university. At that time, he became an officer in the Air Force through like a military, uh, it was really like a six month class he had to go through, became an officer at that time. And I, I admired him, but I don't, I don't think in my mind I was like, oh, I want to be just like him. So in my mind, it was racing during the interview. I thought, who, who's, you know, this is Harvard. I got to impress them. And so I, at the time I was running track and field and, and at that time in the eighties, this is, yeah, this is in the eighties. I know I don't look that old, but, uh, the top track guy in the world was a guy named Carl Lewis and he had won multiple gold medals in track and field. And I said, oh, I'm trying to imitate him. He's a champion. After the interview ended, you know, I went back home and I was thinking about it. I thought, man, I, I really do need to uh, think a little bit more about who I am following and who I'm trying to imitate. It's, you know, interesting to know that I didn't get into Harvard. I'm not sure if they didn't like who I said. I did get into UCLA and graduated from UCLA. And it was while at UCLA as a graduating senior that I found my star to follow. I, it was my senior year that I came across Jesus. And I realized who he really was at that time. Today we want to talk about a star to follow. Who are you imitating? Who do you follow? Let's go to God in prayer. And we're going to study a, a classic passage of the Christmas story together. 
Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning and this opportunity to worship and be together and spend time together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your guidance and your presence. We know your presence is everywhere in all things. You're with us. You're amongst us. And you are guiding us. Help us be sensitive to that guidance, listening, receptive. I pray you encourage our souls that we would be filled with joy as we follow the star to Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In Matthew 2, which we're going to be reading, we're gaining the theme of this lesson where it says the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They're talking about the Magi. And today we're going to be talking about something called a Magi moment. A Magi moment. That's the, the concept I want you to have. The, the Magi, they're not sure if there were actually three. There were three gifts at the end of the story, you'll see. So that's how they got the idea of three. There might have been more than three. Scripture doesn't tell us exactly. But the story of them coming upon the king of the world is a life-changing story. And I hope today as we study it, it will move you to a place of joy as you reflect on the things that bring you joy. And as well, that you can experience a Magi moment and have experience and can reflect on that. And we're going to explain a little more of what I mean. But I do want you to realize that God's story is really about what God is doing. And we are not at the center of God's story. Jesus is at the center of the story. And if you've grown up in the church, like many of us have, now I did not grow up in the church, and some of us uh, in our fellowship that are a little older didn't grow up in the church. We, we found him later. And we understood we weren't the center of the story. But later on, as we develop our faith and we develop what we believe, we start developing this idea of being inside the church is the place to be. Inside God's ways is the great, the greatest way to be. And, and I do believe that. But I want you to see that the Magi, and as we study the story of the Magi, you're going to see that they were not really inside the story of God necessarily, according to all the religious leaders. They were a little bit outside of it. And today I want us to understand that's the message God's going to bring to us as we seek a star to follow. The Magi saw one and it brought them to a place of deep joy. So let's read the text. And the text is going to bring us uh, an answer to the question that I asked last week. The question I asked last week was, what about Jesus brings you joy? And I'd asked this to our staff uh, two weeks ago. And each of the staff members had a different answer to the question, what brings you joy? Two of the answers were peace and truth. And we talked about that last week. Two more of the answers were purpose and grace. And that's what we're going to study today. All right. Purpose and grace. That's our, our points. A star of purpose and a star of grace. Let's read the text from Matthew chapter 2. All right. And you can just follow along. I put it up on the screen in big letters or you can turn in your Bible if you want to be referencing it uh, during the sermon. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east 
came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me. So I too may go and worship him. And we know that he was being duplicitous. He wouldn't tell him the truth. And later, we're not going to read it today, but he actually goes and tries to kill any kids under the age of two based on what is reported to him later. In verse 9, it says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. A star of purpose is what the Magi followed. You know, it says after Jesus was born. So this is not actually the, you know, right on the day or week of the birth. Many think it could have been many months, maybe even a year later. It's very interesting. They go into the home. God was drawing them early on through a star. And what I find interesting here is that the ultimate missionary in this story is God himself, right? God himself. And he's using something that would speak to these magi. And the magi, we're going to talk about this a little later, were astrologers. And they followed that. And God wanted to meet them where they were. A star of purpose. I don't know about you, but I know I had a deep feeling of insecurity in me as a teenager. I had a deep feeling of insecurity in me as a college student because I wasn't sure what I should put all my time and energy toward. And all of us have within us this desire for clarity and direction and a focus. And focus is good. I, like many of you, uh, I'm a little bit Attention deficit disorder. I have that going on and I get distracted easy. But when I focus, I get a lot done. But I do think God even uses a distraction to give me a lot of good ideas. I get lots of good ideas. But you know, deep in our hearts, we want to be focused and clear about what we do and to know we have a purpose. Well, Jesus being the focal point of this narrative, 
He became flesh and made his dwelling among us so we could have a star to follow. You know, Isaiah talks about how God would give us the greatest gift, Isaiah 60. And that is what Jesus is. For me, that joy comes from knowing I have something to do with my life. I know for certain what I should be doing with my life. I have a purpose. You know, the Magi, they as well were seekers of truth and knowledge and wisdom. They were the advisors of of kings in their day back in the East. And I love the text where it says, We've seen his star and have come to worship him. They were on a mission. Feels good to have a mission, right? Feels good to know I have a clear mission. You know, and I, as I talked to a number of you in the congregation about the church, everyone always wants to know what's our plan? What's our vision? What's our mission? Uh, we had a meeting this week with our worship leaders and I love our worship team. I love how they're, they're interested in the song being part of the message. I love how they're interested in where are we going? What is the goal? What is the vision? What is the mission? When they know that, they think, great, now I know how to use my gifts and my talents. If you give me the vision, I know where I fit in. That's how all of us are a little bit, right? We want to know what's the vision. The Magi had a vision that God would show them, that the the stars in their day would show them that somehow, and we're going to talk a little more about this, but some think that the the actual star might have been a comet. Possibly there's some evidence it might have actually even been Halley's Comet that led them to them. There's some evidence in some Chinese journals. uh, Ancient historical documents show that that occurred around the time that Jesus was born. You know, they were on a mission. They've come to worship him. Do you today feel clear about your mission? If you don't, you're going to have a little emptiness in your, maybe a little dullness. Maybe your mission is like mine used to be, which is just to try to get through the week. Sometimes that's enough of a mission, right? If you're a mom with little kids, you know, you know, they're age one to five or six or seven. It's just get through the week. Sometimes if you're a parent of a teenager, it's just, can I get through the week? Sometimes as a teen, you're just like, want to get through the week. But I believe every one of us wants clarity of mission and direction. And the Magi wanted that as well. You know, we've been studying Proverbs. And I found a proverb that talks a little bit about this mission. And I'm recording from the God's Word version of the Bible. It says, the fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life. And a winner of souls is wise. Jesus gives us the mission of making him the center of the world. He is who the story is about. God is on mission. And the Magi, you know, they had a mission to worship the king of all the world. Interestingly, Herod, who was the king of that local area, said, hey, tell me about it. I'll go worship him too. But the Magi, who listened to some dreams, God speaks in dreams, you got to be careful about that. But they listened and they resisted 
the purposes of the authorities of that world, right? They resisted it. They didn't go back. They didn't tell him. Sometimes if we're on God's mission, we're going to have to resist all the influences of our culture that tell us, here's what you should be doing with your time. And I remember when I got really excited about my faith in who Jesus is and all my coworkers where they were, they were like taken aback by how much I kept talking about Jesus. I had my manager of my office when I was working here in Century City pull me aside and say, you're coming on a little too strong about Jesus. It was a you know Fortune 500 company I was working for, you know, investing people's money in stocks and bonds. But in all my breaks and spare time, I was talking about this new mission that I had, this new king I was following. And I loved it. But the powers that be resisted it. Our culture resists it. Our media resists it. Or it gets subsumed by religiousness. And how many of us just want to be known as a religious? Any of us really want to be known? I just, I'm just a religious person. Even religious people don't want to be known as a religious person. Right? I mean, I never want to be known as like a church-going religious guy. And the idea of becoming a minister when I was growing up, I mean, yeah, I would have laughed my head off at you. Oh, those are the guys that, I don't know, they have no impact. I don't like their haircuts, you know? I was critical. I was negative. I was like, I'm not impressed with them at all. Now, I hadn't met the kind of ministers that I now know, some incredible disciples, but I was critical of it. And I didn't want to be religious. But when you have a mission that grabs your heart, the influences around you are going to resist you following that mission. But the Magi had a moment where they realized, no, we have found something beyond anything we ever saw before. They had a Magi moment. And I'll never forget the time when the scriptures were open to me and the minister said, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I, I hadn't really read the Bible on my own deeply. And after that first Bible study, I didn't, didn't go home and read it at all. So the next time I got with the minister and he's asking me about my faith, he's asking me questions and he says, did you read this past week? I said, no, I didn't read anything. He says, I'm not going to be able to help you, just me sitting here talking to you. You got to get your yourself into the scriptures and that's what i said okay i gotta have the the character and the integrity to follow through with what i said i would do i gotta be a man of my word i was developing my my life i gotta be a man of my word okay i'll read and i began to read and lo and behold when i began to read on my own without anybody telling me what i was reading through the book of john the light bulb went on right you know that does happen to people And it doesn't only happen the first time for me. That was the first time. And here's an interesting thing. My own father, when I was growing up, who to this day is still atheist, he encouraged me my entire time in high school to read the Bible. He kept saying, you should try it. Read it. You got to figure out what you believe, man. Go ahead and read it. He wasn't afraid of me reading it. He was like, go ahead and read it. I never read it in in high school. I just didn't. I was like, ah. The things I was doing, I had a little idea that the scripture was telling me not to do those things. So I, I just didn't read it. When I finally started reading it, I had this moment of clarity, of direction, of I have something to live for, to put all my energy into. But there will be resistance. And I faced it. And today, 
When you have that moment of clarity that you, you've seen, that you're following the star to mission, to purpose, to transformation, to something really valuable, you're going to get resistance. Disciples of Jesus, many of us have grown a little bit lukewarm. I confess, I have not shared my faith that often in the last since the pandemic, here and there. But I'm like, what is going on with just wanting to be missional? I want to call on us. Joy comes from the clarity of our mission. And I believe, you know, God could just, if we're not going to get out there and just meet new people, which has typically been how we've done it, right? But now it's sort of a new world. Now it's like, well, kind of like they find you on the internet and then they show up. Do you know God could just make 500 people show up in here? I think he's just wondering if we're ready for it. He can make 500 people show up. You know, we are, we are online. We could be online in an even greater way. And I believe God is working in powerful ways in that regard. Some interesting stories going on. But God could have hundreds of people showing up. Would you be ready for what that meant for your life if a hundred new people showed up here? Just because they saw us online. Hey, I like what you're saying. I need God. I need a mission. We need the Magi moment of having the clarity and the joy of having a mission. Amen? You know, point two is a star of grace. One of the staff members said, the thing I need is I need forgiveness. I'm such a perfectionist. I, I want to feel the grace of God. I want, I want that hope. And this story of the Magi to me is so powerful in this regard. It says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. You know, the Magi... They were outside the norm of religion. They were outside what people thought was doing things right. You know, Magi were known for practicing divination, which is expressly outlawed. Even astrology, in some regards in the Old Testament, is referenced as being against God, relying on these spiritual things or these influences and these powers. And yet God chooses... To use the very thing that he knows he doesn't want people to use that as your authority in life. But he's not opposed to using it to draw your heart to the true king and true power of all the world. Have you guys ever heard of Balaam in the Bible? You know, Balaam was kind of a sorcerer also and kind of an astrologer, some might think. Uh, it says he used divination. But, you know, Balaam's prophecy, so he was known by, maybe Balaam might have been known by the Eastern wise men, his, his, his writings. Of course, Daniel became the head of all the wise men in the time of the Babylonians. And we read this passage, I want to read this to you, from Numbers chapter 24, it says, A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So here's Balaam, who he later dies, really fighting against Israel. He's not, he's a false prophet, and he's the guy that the, the donkey spoke to in the, in the book of Numbers, because he was resisting God, although he was somewhat connected. And I believe, see, God uses all these circumstances to draw people in. And so when the Magi see the star, it was in their history and in their training that a star indicated a great leader. 
And if a new star appears, then a new leader appears. So maybe that's why they think Halley's Comet was what occurred back then. And like I said, even people who study astronomy, which is not astrology, right? Astronomy is true study of just the science side, think that in fact that that occurred at that time. And they began to follow it. But see, God uses things outside the normal boundary lines that we think are okay to draw people to him. And I think that's the message, the Magi moment that I want us to understand is that God is working for us, with us, amongst us so that we will see something that we've never seen before. You know, we all want to be on the inside. We want to be the in-group. But only Jesus is the in-group. And then he brings us along with him. He's the center. We're on the margins. All of us are on the margins. And we belong to each other. The Magi moment really is for each of us to understand that God decided, and this is early in his message to to show the world the truth, right? This is early in the message where the Magi are the ones who see the king of all the world. He doesn't bring, it's interesting that Herod, who is part Jewish, he brings all the scribes and teachers and says, hey, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And they go, well, we've read our Bible and it says here it's going to be in Bethlehem. But there's no mention that they themselves travel there. So who is it that God is working with? Who does he put here in this formative chapter of the creation of all the world and, and of the inspiration of all the world? He puts the Magi, the outsiders, the ones who are following false teachings, the ones who are astrologers, they're not the ones you should listen to. And yet God even reaches out to them. God's interested in acceptance. He's interested in belonging. He's interested in breaking through. And he's interested in the surprises. The surprises. We're going to be talking about this next year as we go into this idea of gifted. That God's Holy Spirit is the ultimate gift And see, Jesus is no longer walking around, but he's here. The Holy Spirit is here. The gift is here. The Magi moment is for you to understand that the things you didn't think were the right way or the people you thought were not accepted or outsiders, or maybe you have ever felt like you're an outsider or you're not accepted or you're not included. You're not welcome. You're not good enough. That's who God directly is calling. That's the Magi moment for all of us to consider. I look out there today, and I think church and at home as you're you're watching, I want you to consider this message of the Magi. That God calls a people who are outside the context of what anyone would think are really God's people, and they are the ones that were called to worship him and, in fact, worshiped him. They are the ones who resisted what the culture around them was telling them to do. And for each of us, I, I want to ask us, are you willing to be welcoming of a surprise? To see things outside the norms of what you thought. In our fellowship for many, many years, I thought, oh, we have the right way to do it. We have the right doctrine. We have the right message of being a disciple. And that is true. You need to be a disciple of Jesus. He's the king. 
But are we open-minded to what God is doing to reveal His presence today in our world? He's working. He's working in ways you could never imagine. You know, with the Wind Network giving the money to this incredible organization. I'm so grateful, congregation, that you demonstrated the, the love and sacrifice and grace to supply the needs of, of children and the families that take care of these children by sacrificing. Westside, you've done it for years. I commend you. But God does all kinds of miracles. You guys heard the story about Oscar, uh, how The Rock just decided to give away to a Navy veteran his truck, and he gave Oscar his truck. We showed that. What an amazing gift to Oscar, just to bless him. Well, Oscar in turn said, well, you know, I think I'm going to... Um, Parlay this into some influence. So he put on his Instagram, hey, I'm supporting this network that helps kids. Uh, toy drive. We're giving gift cards. He had like $1,500 donated to him directly for that. Amen. That's grace. That's a miracle. That's, that's just God multiplying what we do. God will multiply what you do. And he's going to cross boundaries that you didn't think could be crossed a star to follow today the question is what is your magi moment do you get joy from having a clear purpose the magi did and their moment was seeing the clarity of their mission and they went to worship him the magi were called by god even though everyone in their right mind who thought what it meant to be spiritual would have thought, that can't be the people who will be the first to meet the king of all the world, the Jewish king. And yet it's the very people that were welcomed to have fellowship and eat at the dinner table with Jesus. It's his dinner table. It's his meal. It's his feast. It's his Christmas holiday party. And he can invite anyone he wants. And he is inviting us. And he's inviting people you probably didn't think he's going to invite. What is your Magi moment? I hope as you think and pray and study the scriptures, you'll have a moment of clarity. You'll have a moment of surrender and grace, realizing, wow, things outside the boundaries that I thought were normal. God crosses those in his ultimate unconditional love. As we reflect now, what we're going to do is... We're going to break into groups of two or three. This is a, a tradition in the West Side Church. Before we take communion, we want to engage in a little conversation. So just for the people sitting right next to you or the people right behind you, two to four people, I want you to answer this question before we take communion. What is your Magi moment? Have you had one? Or what kind of one would you like to have? Let's have some discussion at this time. Amen. You know, there's no necessary record that I can think of where we know the Magi in time became disciples, but I have a feeling they did. I, get, I just trust that they did. And maybe you'll find a verse somewhere that kind of makes you think that. But I bet in time, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you can bet these kings or these Magi heard about it and inquired more deeply, not just the king who knows how to live life, but the king who actually gives new life 
through his shed blood. And that's the ultimate message of grace where God just says, man, I like you. I'm on your side. You're, you're one of mine. I really, that's what grace means. It means I like you. I love you. You're, you're my buddy. You're my friend. You have my favor. And that's what the cross says to every one of us. It's the greatest gift. I hope you have a spirit of being like the Magi or seeing others like the Magi and, and have a Magi moment or two over the holidays. Let's go to God in prayer as we thank him for his son, his body given, his bloodshed. Father, thank you so much for this time to gather and to worship you. And thank you for your son, for him uh, coming to earth, and living a, a sinless, perfect life, uh, and in giving his very life, his body for us, and shedding his blood. Father, thank you for the free gift of, of forgiveness and hope and a second chance, not just one time, but every day. Father, we love you. Help us each have a Magi moment on many levels. We thank you for Jesus in his name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.